Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Welcome to Jeopardy! Oh, this is our series that we're finishing up today, and obviously today's game that we're playing is Jeopardy! Do I have anybody that would like to play Final Jeopardy with me this morning? Do I have a contestant? Do I have... Do I have somebody that it would be a guinea pig to help me out this morning? Anybody? Come on. Uh, Katrina, come on up here. Come on, girl. All righty. All righty, righty, righty. I tell you what, once you come stand over here, that way everybody can see you and just see what's going on. All right, so here's, here's where we're at in the game. We're playing Final Jeopardy. You have won all the pot and the money, but you've made some bad decisions, and so really all that you have left is $10. So here's the question. When it comes to Final Jeopardy, you have the opportunity to bet what you have in a certain amount, all right, in the hopes that you know the answer. Now, do you trust me? You do trust me. Are you sure you trust me? Because if you trust me, I want to give you a little insight. You will know this answer, all right? So my question for you is, and what you're playing for today is not only the $10 in your hand that you have won already, but also these parting gifts, which is closer. It's a CD series done by Pastor Tony Umber. I know that guy. He's pretty good. Uh, And then also Revolutionary Revelation by Pastor Mark Hankins. And that is just an outstanding book. If you've already got that one, you can give it away. All right. Are you ready to play? So as I said, if you'll trust me, you'll probably know this answer. So I want to ask you, how much are you willing to bet in exchange to give me the answer? You're going to give the whole $10. Can you give her a hand for just her... I'm telling you what, she's stepping out on the edge, she's betting big, she's putting it all on the line. All right, so I'm going to give you the answer, and your response has to be in the form of the question, all right? Are you tracking with me? Okay. All right, so this is how we play. All right, so now don't answer right away, I want you to think about it, but here is the answer for you to give us the question. This nonprofit organization was established in 2009, and their motto is loving God, loving people, and loving life. All right. All right, so the question was, or the answer was rather, uh, this nonprofit establishment was developed or started in 2009, and their motto is loving God, loving people. What is your answer? What is the fantastic Genesee Valley Church? That is correct. Give it up for her. Come on. There you go. You won all the parting money that you had to begin with, and there are your parting gifts as well. Come on, give her a big hand as she takes her seat. Come on. <laughs> Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Come on, I'm telling you. (laughs) Awesome. Hey, have you been enjoying this series that we've been getting into these last few weeks? I hope you have. I've been enjoying ministering on that. Just a quick couple reminders in regards to what is coming up. Uh, December 17th, which is not next Sunday, but the Sunday after, is our second annual GVC 
ugly Christmas sweater day, all right? So put it down in your calendars. If you don't have an ugly sweater, you can make one. But come on, let's get ugly for Jesus on the 17th, all right? So wear your ugly sweater. Let's just have a good time. Let's be festive. And then also just want to remind you that we do have a Christmas Eve service, the 24th, that is Sunday evening, and that will be at 6 o'clock. And again, that will be real quick. It's just going to be an hour service in and out, so you can come and just celebrate with your church family, and then you can go on to your extended families as well. Amen? Amen. Well, as I've said or asked Katrina, I asked the question, do you trust me? And obviously everything that we've been talking about in this series, this ain't no game show, is all about trusting God with our livelihood and really beginning to understand what God's desire and what God's heart is for us concerning him being able to bless us and increase us because God truly desires that. I just kind of give you a little heads up as we get into this. I'm just going to let you know, first and foremost, that to begin the message, there's really three parts to, to my message this morning. Number one, there's going to be some scripture that we just really dive into to lay the foundation of what we're talking about because everything that we have a faith-based uh, belief system has to be based upon the word. Secondly, I'm just going to give you some personal experiences of how God has really blessed my, my wife and myself and my family. And then thirdly, I'm just going to speak to you heart to heart, just as we conclude this service. Now, for many of you, you might have children. I know my wife and I, we have three little ones. We have uh, one that is 11, one that is nine, and one that uh, just turned six a, a few weeks ago. And it has been the joy of our life to be parents. It's one of the greatest ministry. It really is the greatest ministry that you could ever be a part of. And how many of you know that when it comes to raising kids, you just take care of your kids because you love them, right? I mean, now, obviously, there are the exceptional bad apples that they should have never been parents in the first place. And they don't love their kids. They're just nuisances or they're just basically baggage. But for... The majority of us, especially those of us that have a heart to walk with God, we just simply love our kids and everything that we do is because we love our children. But if we were to take it a little step further, beyond just our love for our kids and that which we do for them, did you know that there is a federal expectation of taking care of your children? There is the expectation that you're going to put a roof over their head. There is the expectation that you're going to give them nourishment and make sure that they're educated. And if you don't live up to the legal expectation of the government, they'll come and take your kids. Did you know that? And unfortunately, sometimes we, we find ourselves falling on hard times. But once again, if we don't obligate or do what we're obligated to do, we know that the government will come and take our kids. Well, as we have raised our kids, another way of looking at that, we could say that raising kids takes money. How many of you can attest to that that's ever had kids? It's not cheap, is it? In fact, studies have shown, just uh, the, the recent report that says, if you have had children born in 2015, so now that's Jacqueline and Jordan, they're, they're our worship leaders, they had one child in 2015, I believe it was the date. So if you had a child that was born in 2015, the expectation of what it will cost to raise that child to the age of 17 averages between 230000 to 290000 that's a lot of money. They're expensive. Can we give them back? I mean, <laughs> that is too much money. 
And then we got some right now that are, that are actually pregnant. Uh, got one that's due in the spring, I believe, and a couple, I, I don't remember the, the dates, but they're, they're pregnant now and going to be born in 2018. So you know that's only going to cost them more because of the inflation. It costs money to raise kids. But here's the thing. We have to spend money to raise them. It's just a moral obligation, right? And we spend that money and we make that investment because we love our kids. Beyond that, to send them to college is really just cream on the crop. You don't owe them a college education. Now, obviously, if we can't afford it, we want to send our kids to college to better their life. In fact, I just had a, a breakfast meeting with one particular man just this past week, and he's got four adult children. And one of the things that we were talking about, he said to me, he said, listen, start saving for college now because it's expensive, right? So you, you have an obligation to spend the money to raise your kids, but when it comes to a college education, that's just cream on the crop. But here's the thing, if we can't afford that, If you can't afford to send your kids to college, you would make that investment even though you didn't have to. Why would you do that? Because you know, not only through their lives as I was raising them and making the investment in in the hopes that I'm going to see the fruit of my labor and that they're great people and great adults, but even beyond that, the investment that I pour into them as a a teenager, as, as a young adult, sending them to college, that the investment in their life is going to cause them to live a whole lot better than I ever did. Or to have them experience life and not go through the pitfalls that I did. Right? Isn't that the heart of a parent? Or we could say it this way. As we purpose to prepare our kids for their life and for their future, our desires that they would that they would experience a life that has exceeding measure, rank, or need, that they live above and over anything that is necessary in life, that they would have a life that was super added to, in surplus and super abundance, superior in quality, superior in in abundance in quantity. And really, if we was going to say it as a parent, we would want our children to live a life of excess of blessing. Right? Come on, I want my kids to have the best of the best. I want my kids to experience far more than I ever did. That's my heart. Well, that last part that I just said was actually what John 10.10 says. That's the whole reason why he sent Jesus was so that we could begin to live a life abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think in quality and quantity. And God says, I did that for you. I made the investment in you to send Jesus so that you can live this life because I'm your dad. And I just want to take care of you. In fact, it's my job to take care of you as my kids. Come on, do we look at our heavenly father that way? Like, dad, come on, you said you was going to take care of me. No, we come bawling and squalling. Come on, my kids don't come to me bawling and squalling. They just say, hey, Dad, what do you think? Right? (laughs) Hand comes out before they even start opening up their mouth. Right? Well, why is that such a bad thing coming to God and saying, God, you said you would take care of me. You said that you're my daddy God. Right? That's his heart. That's his desire. And God even said this in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. He says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you wealth to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, 
as it is this day. We said that that word power is translated as wealth. I give you wealth to get wealth. And we've been looking at that in the last couple weeks as to how God did that. First of all, he said that there is what is called the tithe. The tithe is the first 10% of your increase. And God says that belongs to me. But how does he give it to me? He says, I'm going to let, it have, let you hold it in your hand and choose whether or not you'll be faithful to give it to me. And here's what God said in Malachi chapter 3. He says, I'm the Lord God. I change not. He says, now listen. He says, you've opened up the door to the enemy. And he says, you know, you've had some things going on in your life. And the whole reason is, is because you've robbed me. And they said, well, God, how have we robbed you? He says, in tithe and offering." And then he responds to him and he says this, give back to me and I will give back to you. If you'll return it to me, I will return it to you. And he says, now listen, try me in this, test me, prove me. He says, I want you to prove me and test me in this thing that I'm telling you. If you'll trust me to do it, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out you a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. Now, how many of you believe that God's word is true? How many of you truly believe that God can't lie? And so, therefore, God says, I'm your father. I'm going to take care of you. But all I ask you to do is to trust me. And if you'll trust me, he says, I will see that you have greater success than you could ever begin to imagine. He says, in everything that you do, you will increase. Remember, I started by talking about your children and what it takes to raise them. There is the responsibility that we have of raising our children. And that's kind of like the tithe. You have to do it. Or they'll take your kids from you. You could also send them to college. But you don't have to do that. That's like giving of your offering. But both of what you do to invest into your children. It increases them And there is a reward that comes on the back end of the investment that you made. Well, if we believe that and hold fast to that in the investment that we make into our kids, then why do we find it so difficult to trust God to say that God, our Father, wants to make sure that we're taken care of? Come on, how good is he? And again, I want to challenge you this morning. I know that when we talk about these things, it gets real sober. But how many of you think that Jesus was God's second or third best? No, when God gave to us, he gave his very best because you were worth it. That's how much God values you and me to say, when I give, I give my very best. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. As we conclude this these series We've been talking about the tithe. Remember, God says, you've robbed me in tithe and offering. Today, I want to talk about the offering or talk about giving and why this is significant. Now, I understand that as I talk about this, it's real easy to say, you know, you've been talking about this thing of giving for the last few weeks. Time to move on. We've heard it. We get it. Now, let's move on to something a little bit easier to hear. Here's the thing. If you truly understood God's heart in this area, it would fire you up to hear this. In fact, I regularly listen and study on God's faithfulness because it's upon hearing his word that faith comes to trust God. 
And so you'd be like, wow, come on, tell me that. Preach it to me. I want to hear that because God said he's faithful, and I need to be reminded of God's faithfulness. You know, I teach at a Bible school down in Sterling Heights. In fact, four individuals of this church are actually students of mine this year. Jacqueline and Jordan, the worship team up here, uh, they're in my class. And Jordan was saying to me the other day, he said, you are the first instructor that we have ever had. And in the class that I'm teaching or the first one that they've had is the class called giving and receiving teaching on some of the things that we're sharing on. He said, you are the first instructor that we've had that at the end of the class, the whole class starts clapping. Now that's very flattering to hear that from Jordan because he said, yeah, that's my pastor. It's very flattering and humbling. But I told him, I said, they're not applauding the messenger. What they're applauding is the message. Because upon hearing it, revelation is coming. And they're like, yes, God is that good. Oh, come on, I want to hear it some more. And by the time they're done, they're like, yes, that's the God. That's who I serve. In fact, at the end of the class, we were having exams. And one of the the women in the the class, she says, where are you at in Flint? I said, yep. She goes, man, I got to come check you out. She goes, do you, do you minister this stuff at your church like this? I said, no, I, if I, if I taught like this, I said, you're paying students. If I taught like this in church, I said, I wouldn't have any church left. <laughs> you know, it, it is too strong, you know, but they're paying for a college education. And so I can give them both barrels because they're training for ministry. And so I want to talk about this aspect of giving. Now, you might say, well, you're talking real bold about some of these things, but you've got to remember the Apostle Paul. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He said, listen, he says, I'm coming to minister to you. And he says, in fact, he says, you have made some promises to give into the ministry. And you made some very generous promises. And so I'm writing to exhort you, don't forget. In fact, he says, make sure you get your heart right so that when you do it, you don't do it grudgingly or like, oh, dear God, I got to give. Oh. But no, he says, do it so that when you give, you've got joy. I mean, that's pretty bold for the Apostle Paul. We esteem the Apostle Paul, man. That, he's the dude. He's the man. I mean, he's, he was like Jesus, man. He wrote three quarters of the New Testament, man. He is the man. Well, that man spoke very directly. Hey, he made some commitments to give now. Get your heart right. Notice what he says here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 15. It says this. He says, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. In other words, he's saying people weren't very good at giving, but you were awesome. Verse 17 says this. Not that I seek the gift but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. What Paul said was like, it's not about you giving to the ministry, but it's on the back end when you make the investment. I'm excited about the fruit and the increase in what God's going to do in your life because you dare to step out and trust God. Come on, are you here this morning? As I said, this is good news. This is exciting Because God says, I want you to succeed, and I've given you a way, a very formulated way of increasing in your life. And it's just called faith, trusting me. If you recall, we talked about Abraham last week. And the Bible says this concerning Abraham. I want to share this with you. In Genesis chapter 12, the Bible tells us that Abraham was the first 
one that instituted the tithe. It wasn't part of the law. It was something that was put into motion way before the law. But before I read that, I want to read to you in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 4. It says, Now consider how great this man was, that who even through the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth or a tithe of spoil. Verse 8 says, Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he, Jesus, receives them, of whom it was witness that he lives. Come on. Your money... I want you to really hear that. I know it's so difficult to separate the natural physical side of money because of the effect that it has on our life. But God says when you give money, it has a spiritual implication. Yes, it takes care of the local church, but God says, Jesus says, I receive it. And I am so blessed because you're taking care of my church. Come on. Every time you step out to have faith, God says, ha. Those are my kids. Come on. They're trusting me. Thank you. So in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, he says, Go out from your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land which I'll show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Notice what he said. He said, Abram, I'm going to make you a great nation. If you know anything about Abram, or Abraham as his name was changed, they couldn't have kids. So this was a promise that God made him and says, I'm going to give you a family, and you're going to have a nation. It's going to come from you. How challenging that would have seemed to have heard from God when your wife cannot have kids. It's impossible. But God made a promise. The next thing that we see in uh, chapter 14, chapter 12, God made Abraham the promise. Chapter 14, the Bible says that Abraham gave his tithe. In chapter 15 of Genesis, the Bible says that God made a covenant to establish the promise that he made with him before he gave his tithe. In chapter 21, the Bible says that the promise came to pass, they had a baby and they named him Isaac. And then in chapter 22, God says, now I need you to give me an offering. You gave me a tithe. I gave you the promise. Now I need an offering. He says, what do you need, God? Your son. How hard would that have been to have given? But he trusted God. Now in that son Isaac was the promise that God made to him in chapter 12. But the promise would never have come to that place of fulfillment unless he first was willing to give tithe. And once he gave tithe, it engaged the promise and it opened up the door for increase. How does that relate to us? The word of God is our promise. He says in Genesis chapter, or excuse me, Galatians chapter 3.13, he says, you've been redeemed from the curse of the law and the blessing of Abraham shall come upon you because of what Jesus came to do. That's the promise. But the promise has to be engaged through our faith. He says, I'm no different. Will you trust me with your money? 
Because the Bible says where your heart is, or excuse me, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Are you tracking with me tonight or today? I'm so nervous talking about this with you. I called it today night. <laughs> no, I'm not nervous about it because I want you to know the heart of God. I know it's a real difficult thing to hear and think, oh, dear God, here we go. We're talking about that stuff. Listen, I get how it is. This is God's plan and God's purpose to see you begin to experience the goodness of God. How many of you want to know the will of God for your life? Wave at me real big. You want to know the will of God. Okay, not only knowing the will of God, how many of you want to really experience the will of God? Raise your hand. To experience the will of God, you have to be willing to trust God with your money. Abraham was the example of it. He said, here is my will. Here is the promise. But it wasn't until he purposed to step out in tithe and willing to give an offering or sacrifice to God where God says, now I can trust you. Now, here's really the fullness of the promise. See, so many times we walk around with little glimpses and little pricks in our heart to say, oh, I think God wants to do something good in my life. And you get a little warm fuzzy and sometimes you even get happy about it. But we lose sight of it because, God, it's hard to trust you. Remember I asked Katrina right from the beginning, I said, can you trust me? I said, you know this answer. And at that point in time, she says, what do I got to lose? Sure, I trust you. In fact, you gave me the money in the first place, so what do I got to lose? (laughs) Right? You gave it to me. I trust you. What do I have to lose? The promise of God will always require faith. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, if I can, I want to just read this verse to you in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. This is New Testament. The Apostle Paul wrote this. We said that Jesus came that we could live a life of excess, of trusting him. Notice what this says in verse 8. And God is able. Does anybody question God's ability? He's God. I mean, he made the universe. I mean, if God wants to squash you like an ant, he can do it. If God wants to make you the king of the world, he can do it. If he wants to make you a billionaire, he can do it. But obviously, he knows you've got to be able to handle it. He says, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you always, having all sufficiency in all things, and that it would abound to every good work. That sounds like excess, don't it? More than enough. That's the heart of God. But just a couple verses before, this is what he says. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort you, brethren... That you go, that I go ahead of you, uh, that to go ahead of you, or to <laughs> to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gifts beforehand, which you have previously promised, that it was that it would be ready as a matter of generosity and not of a grudging obligation. But this I say: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly; whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So each one who gives 
as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, not out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I've given you a lot of scripture up to this point. So if you'll indulge me just a few more minutes, I wanted to share the personal side with you. Because I've lived this stuff of trusting God. And it hasn't just begun while we were in ministry. This is way back when we began walking with God. When I went to Bible school, or actually before I went to Bible school, I was told by God that I would get a full-time job working in General Motors. And everybody that I knew said, don't get your hopes up, Tony. They don't hire. And I just stopped talking about it until it came to fruition. Now, God was setting me up. Because just two years after that, or actually a year after that, God said, are you going to go where I've told you to go? And I went to Bible college. I had to take a leave of absence. I didn't have enough seniority to take a leave of absence. But God worked out the details. I went to Bible college, and in my last year, God said to me, he says, you won't have to work while you go to school. You'll be able to get the full experience of your school year. Well, every time we went to class, they were saying, now, don't distrust God for money. Don't write phony checks because, listen, God don't write bad checks. If you need to work, go to work because you got bills to pay. Well, that's what I was hearing. But I also knew what God said. And I'm telling you, as God is my witness, he took care of every single need. I went on a mission trip to the Philippines. I got a class ring. I went on dates with my beautiful wife before she was my wife. And God funded it all because he's faithful. Now, by all legalities, I should not have been able to go back to General Motors, but they welcomed me back, and I kept all my seniority. Now, my wife, or girlfriend at the time, she was madly in love with me, found it hard for me to go back to Michigan, but she did it, crying a lot, I'm sure. (laughs) But she had one more year to finish herself. She got a call one day. Kelly, can you come down to the office, please? She comes down to the office. She gets up to the administration office. They slide her something across the desk, and she says, what is this? She said, your tuition has been paid in full. Who did it? It's an anonymous giver. She always thought it was me. I said, baby, I didn't love you that much back then. <laughs> I said, it, it, it wasn't me. <laughs> I, I, I said, I didn't do it, baby. <laughs> Amen. I'm talking about living a life where God takes care of you. He will fund your life if you'll just step out in faith to believe him. Well, what about the natural things? What about your house? Listen, when we first got married, I said, God, I will not rent an apartment because it's just throwing money away. There's no equity in that. And God kept saying to me, do you trust me? Do you trust me? I'm like, yeah, but God, yeah, but, but, yeah, but. And God said, do you trust me? And so finally, we rented a townhouse. And all the while, I'm thinking, it's throwing money away. GM called me and said, listen, we got to move you. You're working down here in Livonia. We got to move you up to Saginaw, which was like 10 minutes from my house at that point in time. I was driving close to an hour and a half. Now I only had 10 minutes. And they said, listen, we are going to give you $60,000 to make the move. I'm like, okay, you twist my arm. I'll take it. I'll, I'll go. I'll go. So I got $60,000 just to move 10 minutes away from my house. Within a year's time, God said, can you trust me with a house? I said, God, okay. Within 12 months, less than 12 months, 
God put us in a house and I had the down payment for it. I'm talking about your steps being ordered of the Lord. God gave us a house that we had the opportunity to give away. Come on, that's, that's fun when God starts feeding your habit of being a big giver. Man, you talk about giving things away. Give a house away. Whoa, come on. You know why I can stand here today saying God has provided this church? He's provided a house because we gave a house away. Yeah, but what about the bills? God, we gave a house away, therefore you'll always fund the needs of the house. I don't know if I've shared this with you, but the realtor just sold our building last week and he met with us and he said, I can tell you this now. I couldn't tell you then. He said, but when you was in the process of getting the church, he said, there was another church from down south that said, we want that building. And they offered them cash, 120,000 more than what we purchased it for. He said, but they wanted you to have it. Come on, I'm talking about supernatural living of trusting God. Come on, a hundred and some thousand dollars that they just said, we want you to have it rather than the money in our pocket. That's a God thing. Because if you offered me a hundred thousand dollars more, you got it, baby. (laughs) (laughs) That's just me. (laughs) Are you here? So here's the part of my message where I said I just wanted to get heart to heart with you. In dealing with this subject, in people's lives that are broken, bank accounts that are broken, families that are broken because of finances, God said there are more people that are broken hearted or that have broken hearts than they do have broke bank accounts. And asking that question, well, God, what do you consider a broken heart? What's your definition of a broken heart? And God said, a broken heart is a heart that can't trust me. Then that makes reference to Psalms 34. Here's what it says. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And that his mercy endures forever. Blessed, that word blessed is defined as empowered to prosper. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And that his mercy endures forever. Empowered to prosper is the man who puts his trust in God. When you trust God... It positions you to be empowered to prosper. Because when you trust God, you can trust him with your money. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus said this, I came to heal the brokenhearted. I came to preach the gospel and to heal the brokenhearted. Did you notice the very next thing that he said was, and to heal the sick? It's hard to heal the sick if you've got a broken heart that can't trust God. God, you want to heal my life? God, it's hard to trust you. Jesus said, that's why I came. 
so that I could heal your broken heart so that you could trust me. How can I trust God? Become a giver. And let me just challenge you in this. Being a giver isn't just about giving money. If you'll give of your time to just come to church, you'll begin to trust God. Your heart will start to mend. Now, I want you to hear this correctly, okay? Because this is just the heart of a pastor. But I see where people will leverage their time and say, well, I came then, so therefore I'm covered. There are people that aren't here tonight or this morning because they were here Friday night. Well, I came to church Friday, so I don't have to come Sunday morning. When you give of your time, you begin to grow in your faith. Every time you come to church, you're like, God, you're really that good? God, I can trust you? God, you're that faithful? And if you'll come and hear of his faithfulness long enough, you just might start believing it. But if it's from week to week, month to month, we live this life of, God, I don't know if I can trust you. God, I don't know. God, I don't know. How can you also give? Give of your talent. When you give of who you are to serve God, it helps you trust him. And then obviously there's the obvious of giving of your finances. And when you give of your finances, what that ultimately does is impact souls. It has an eternal difference. Can you say amen? Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I know that upon hearing this, this is a lot to digest. It's a lot to chew on, especially if you're new to our church, if you're just new to church altogether. I just want to challenge you. Step out and trust God. Just take a step, whatever that looks like for you, and God will meet you there. I challenged you. Take a 90-day tithe challenge. For the next 90 days, God, I'm going to be faithful to tithe. And see if you can trust him. There's no pressure. You're not going to get some elder of the church coming knocking on your door and saying, hey, we've been looking at your money. No, this is between you and God. My desire and my hope is just to encourage you to believe and trust God. And in it, is the reward in God's faithfulness to increase you and bless you. Let me pray and we'll let you go. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for allowing us to hear your truth and to hear your promise. God, you are not a dictator and you are not one that is heavy-handed. And so, God, we ask you to help us trust you just to step out in faith. 
And so, God, we thank you for the blessing and the increase in the days ahead. We thank you that this Christmas season is the best ever. We thank you that, Father, this Christmas season will look back and say, financially, we came through it, and it was as easy as it's ever been because of your faithfulness, God. So, God, we thank you, and we praise you and give you all the glory. And everyone said, Amen. subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life